Under the films heading on Letterboxd, the social media app for movie nerds like me, you'll find a list of the most popular movies at any given time. At least once a year, a new movie finds its way into the list, like Everything Everywhere All at Once or Barbie. Now, at the time of writing this, there's a movie that's gaining traction on that list that I just hadn't seen coming, but I probably should have. Earlier this month, I was at a surprise birthday party for a member of my extended family. While waiting for the big surprise, one of the guests took me aside and asked me about a movie she'd recently seen and was hoping I could give her my take. I hadn't seen the film yet, but days before my co-host on another podcast, More Than Movies, had sent me a text to make sure that I see the film in theaters. A few days later, another family friend texted asking about it again. Sadly, I missed the theatrical run, which is how it came to be that on a rainy Wednesday, I swept the curtains tight, pulled up a blanket on the couch, and hit play on Saltburn, the sophomore film from director Emerald Fennell. I finally understood what everyone was fussing about. Let me be clear up front. This episode is about sex. Welcome to Another Lens. My name's Jay Kennedy, and I like movies. On this show, I'd like to explore what's happening today in the world of film, dive into Hollywood's short history, and share with you my thoughts about what's rattling around in my head when it comes to movies. So if you'll join me, grab a hot cup, get comfy, and let's take a look from another lens. Emerald Fennell's debut received massive buzz and was nominated for five Oscars. Emerald herself took home Best Original Screenplay. The film was Promising Young Woman, a revenge story about a woman who won't move forward in a system that failed her friend after a sexual assault. The film depicts a world where every nice guy just needs an opportunity to do the wrong thing. It was a polarizing and divisive film that many men have criticized for being misrepresentative. They argue that the film fails to show the vast majority of men who do not engage in rape culture. And if that's your take, fine. Mine was that women live in a vastly more dangerous world than men do, and that creates an imbalance. Our hero in Promising Young Woman tries to tip the scales a bit. Her follow-up, Saltburn, is less divisive, yet more salacious. The story follows Oliver, a kid who befriends the richest at Oxford University, and is invited to stay with his friend Felix for the summer at their ancestral estate, Saltburn. It's a film about coveting what you don't have and taking what you want. And there's a lot of sex. 
I won't spoil the film if you're looking to see it, but there's no less than six scenes with sexual content and includes one extra scene of full frontal male nudity. And all of these scenes, at least how I saw it, are framed as dark and foreboding, intended to push taboo for audience reaction. But at times, this darkness can be fun too. It feels a little bit like paranormal activity. You're just waiting for the evening to strike to see what will happen next for Oliver Quick. The second feature of Fennell was nominated for five BAFTAs and two Golden Globes, but it was completely snubbed by the Academy Awards. And even though the film showcases incredible cinematography and the script is well thought out, the film features 2023's most explicit scenes, which may not agree with the judges' tastes. Sex on screen has always made people shy away, turn their eyes. I'm actually going to raise my hand and admit that I am one of those people that does look away. I wasn't always this way, but as I got older, I have to be honest, sometimes my cheeks go red and I walk away blushing. But what I never want to see, even if they're not for everybody, are movies getting straight up banned. To my core, I'm against banning media, and I'm ashamed to say that it's a part of our history. In 1933, the film Ecstasy starring Hedy Lamarr was released. While there were earlier films with suggestive content, Ecstasy is notable for its portrayal of nudity and sexual themes. In particular, a scene featuring Lamarr swimming nude. The film faced censorship and outright bans in several countries, including the United States. It was deemed too controversial for distribution. Conservative groups and religious organizations objected to its explicit content. They argued that the film was morally corrupting and inappropriate for public viewing. And sadly, the film's controversial content had repercussions for Hedy Lamarr, who was just starting her acting career at the time. Lamar was typecast and faced difficulties securing roles in big Hollywood films. To be clear, the scene in question is mostly an out-of-focus woman taking a swim, and then some hilarity ensues where she has to cover up and run through the woods after her horse because all of her clothing is still draped across the saddle. The very next year, the Hayes Code became strictly enforced. Now, the Hayes Code was a set of industry guidelines that dictated what could and could not be depicted in American films, including restrictions on nudity, sexuality, violence, and other controversial subjects. Now, unlike the MPA ratings that would arrive in the 1960s, the Hayes Code was more like a stamp. If you went to the movies, you could see that the film had the seal of approval. The film's script had been censored, the production had been monitored, and the final product edited and whittled to the standard of the code. Films that failed to adhere to the Hayes Code faced censorship, fines, and could be denied distribution. Studios were motivated to comply, and that created a pretty sanitized world of movies. Fun fact. Prior to the restrictiveness of the Hayes Code, cartoon character Betty Boop liked short skirts and low necklines. 
post the Hayes Code, Betty had to cover up with longer skirts and modest necklines. And let it be said, while I'm not a huge fan of the Hayes Code from a standards practice, it certainly reflected the cultural and social norms of its time. It was basically a reassurance to audiences who were accustomed to values and behaviors being upheld in their movies. And the world was about to rapidly change. So for the adults of this era, the Hayes Code at least could feel like a sense of order and stability. One that would disappear soon enough, though. Despite the Hayes Code, filmmakers got creative. Frank Capra's 1934 Best Picture winner, It Happened One Night, holds an incredibly iconic scene in Hollywood history. While attempting to hitchhike unsuccessfully with Clark Gable, Claudette Colbert's character pulls up her dress, revealing her leg. This causes a passing car to stop. Since the scene was considered more funny than salacious, it was deemed acceptable under the restrictive Hayes Code. We would see this again when the two had to share a motel room and hung a blanket between the two beds. Funny, right? These scenes pushed the boundaries of what was considered appropriate at the time, and that gave more filmmakers a little bit of leeway. In 1942, one of the most beloved stories arrived on the big screen, Casablanca. It's hard to think about anything in that movie being too much for audiences to handle, but the Hayes Code objected to any reference about Rick and Ilsa having potentially slept together prior to meeting in Africa. But the iconic line, we'll always have Paris, isn't really subtle. 1946's Gilda, starring Rita Hayworth, was well known for its sultry atmosphere and the iconic performance of Hayworth as Gilda. While the film doesn't contain any truly explicit content, it oozes with sexual tension and innuendo. And the film proved you could get away with allure as long as you weren't explicitly showing scenes with nudity. You may know the scene with Rita Hayworth best from the Shawshank Redemption when the inmates are watching Gilda and the audience cheers for her famous hair flip. Other films like To Catch a Thief, A Place in the Sun, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and Some Like It Hot found that their leads could incorporate elements of sexiness and romance while still adhering to the rigid code. Then in 1960, Alfred Hitchcock had had enough. He was tired of working under such restrictions and had an idea for his next movie that wouldn't warrant the seal. He managed to nearly finance it all alone and push the boundaries in nearly every imaginable way. The film showed a woman strutting around in her underwear. The opening scene starts as two people compose themselves, implying they've just had sex. My goodness, the film showed a toilet flushing. Imagine the horror. And then we would see our hero brutally murdered, strategically shot in fast edits with a piercing score as she's stabbed repeatedly while taking a shower. If you haven't picked up on it yet, the film is psycho. The Hayes Code did not approve the film with its seal, but it didn't matter. 
To be fair, the code had been losing its influence as more filmmakers rejected the rigid practices, but Hitchcock's audacity changed cinema forever, rendering censorship practices somewhat sterile, and this paved the way for more daring films. Psycho's impact can still be seen today in modern horror films, even though its once controversial content is now pretty much the norm. In 1968, the MPAA ratings replaced the Hayes Code and offered a somewhat more modern and flexible approach to film regulation. This is where we get general, mature, restricted, and X. G, general audiences, all ages admitted. Nothing that would offend parents for viewing by children. M, mature audiences, parental guidance suggested. M-rated films are suited for adults and may include some material parents might not like for their youngest kids. R. Restricted. Persons under 16 are not admitted unless accompanied by a parent or adult guardian. X. No one under 17 admitted. X-rated films may include explicit sexual scenes, violence, drug abuse, or any other element that most parents would consider too strong and therefore off-limits. These codes were later modified and expanded to include PG, parental guidance suggested, in 1972, PG-13, parents strongly cautioned, in 1984, and NC-17, no one under 17 is admitted. That was in 1990. And as societal attitudes towards sex became more liberal, Mainstream Hollywood films began to incorporate more explicit content. Art house and independent filmmakers played a crucial role in pushing the boundaries of sex in cinema. Operating outside of the Hollywood studio system lent them more freedom to explore tabooed subjects in their work. Ingmar Bergman would direct the critically acclaimed Persona in 1966, a psychological drama that blurs the boundaries between two women exploring identity, sexuality, and power dynamics. In one scene, a character discusses a sexual encounter she had had with two boys on the beach. And while the scene does not show the encounter, the recounting of the experience is central to the film's exploration, and certainly pushed further past innuendo. Two years later, 1968 sci-fi comedy Barbarella would arrive to mass audiences. The film opens with a provocative zero-gravity striptease performed by the lead, Jane Fonda. This set the tone for the film's playful atmosphere. At one point, though, Barbarella is introduced to the Orgasmatron. You can guess what this device is for. The scene is played for laughs, but it explores themes of sexual liberation. And again, Barbarella doesn't contain explicit sexual content, However, the visually striking imagery made it a provocative and iconic film in the history of sex on screen. And while film-going audiences were excited to be titillated with more taboo content being featured on screen, I'd like to note that things weren't always fantastic behind the scenes for women in Hollywood. At this point in our episode, I'm going to talk about the darker side of the Hollywood system, and that does contain sexual assault. Please feel free to stop the podcast now if you have to. Harassment in Hollywood filmmaking during this time was prevalent, 
and many instances may not have been widely reported or documented due to societal attitudes and power dynamics within the industry. Before Harvey Weinstein became the poster boy for assaults from Hollywood executives, many individuals in positions of authority in the industry took advantage of their power to coerce or manipulate performers into unwanted sexual encounters or compromising situations. The Me Too movement in 2018 helped shed more light on the abuse from the industry over its history. Rose McGowan, Ashley Judd, and Gwyneth Paltrow were only a few of the championing voices at this time that bravely told their stories of abuse in the industry. The casting couch culture, where aspiring actors were expected to exchange sexual favors for career opportunities, was prevalent in the early era of Hollywood. In her autobiography, Actress Joan Collins wrote about an incident early in her career where a studio head exposed himself to her during a meeting. Marilyn Monroe faced pressure from studio executives and producers to engage in sex in exchange for further career opportunities. Even child actress Shirley Temple later revealed in her autobiography that she was propositioned by producers and studio executives as a young actress. One of the more notorious examples of abuse came from 1972's Last Tango in Paris. There have been allegations of sexual misconduct against Brando, including claims made by actress Maria Schneider regarding a controversial rape scene in the film. Schneider stated that Brando and director Bernardo Bertolucci had manipulated her during filming. In the scene, during a sexual encounter with Schneider's character, Brando's character uses butter as a lubricant. In a 2007 interview, Maria Schneider revealed that she felt violated and humiliated during the filming of the scene. She said she had not been informed about the explicit nature beforehand and that she had not consented to certain aspects of the scene's depiction. Bernardo Bertolucci confirmed in 2013 that the idea to use butter in the scene was conceived by himself and Brando without informing Schneider beforehand. As you can imagine, this revelation sparked outrage and condemnation, with many condemning the director and actor for their treatment of Schneider. The controversy surrounding the scene in Last Tango in Paris brought attention to issues of consent and ethical filmmaking practices in the industry, prompting discussions about the treatment of actors on set and the responsibility of directors. I'm happy to say that today, the filming of sex scenes in the industry is approached with a greater emphasis on ensuring the safety and well-being of all involved. There is clear communication and consent, and before filming any intimate scenes, actors are provided now with detailed scripts and given the opportunity to discuss boundaries. There are intimacy coordinators. Many productions now employ intimacy coordinators specifically trained who work with actors and production teams to choreograph and oversee these intimate scenes. Closed sets and privacy have become the norm whenever they are filming a scene that involves sex. 
When appropriate, filmmakers may use body doubles and employ special effect techniques to enhance the realism of sex scenes while minimizing the physical and emotional exposure of the actors. There's many rehearsals and blocking so that the actual scene feels safe. And finally, there are support systems today. Productions often provide access to these services, such as counseling or therapy, for actors who may experience emotional or psychological challenges as a result of filming intimate scenes. So by implementing these safety measures and protocols, the entertainment industry has aimed to create a more supportive and respectful environment for actors during the filming of these sex scenes, prioritizing their well-being and autonomy while ensuring the integrity of the storytelling process. Now, just like a sex scene that goes on too long, I find myself in a unique position where I've written a script that's nearly an hour long. So we're going to break this taboo topic up into two episodes. Next week, we'll discuss censorship at the Supreme Court, the escalation of nudity on home video, when sex on screen got boring, and what makes Saltburn an outlier in today's sexless movie world. I really appreciate you sticking through to the end. Reach out to me anytime at j.kennedy at outlook.com. And now, the Another Lens podcast can be found on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. New episodes are available weekly, so be sure to subscribe for the next one. I'm Jay Kennedy, and you've been listening to Another Lens. The show will be back soon with a new perspective.